Welcome to another episode of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have real, honest, smart, and sometimes even hilarious conversations about co-parenting, separation, and divorce, and all that goes along with that. I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and today I want to talk to you about how to talk to your kid about an absent father. And later in the episode, I also touch on the really important difference between single moms and divorced moms and why, as divorced moms, we need to stop calling ourselves single moms. So today's question about how to talk to your kid about an absent father was actually sent in to me by uh, a listener a while ago. And so here's what she says. She says, my son often asks for his daddy. I don't know what to say to him. It breaks my heart because I've done everything I can to bridge the gap and encourage his father to be a part of his life, but he's totally absent. He only visits maybe 20 hours a month and sometimes less. Can you give me some advice on what to say to my son about where his father is, why he isn't here, etc.? So first of all, let me just say that these kinds of questions break my heart. According to Psychology Today, 24 million children live in biological father-absent homes in the United States alone, and one in three children grow up without a father. So what this means, first and foremost, is that you're not alone. Good news, bad news, right? Here are some top tips for handling these questions, some of which will depend on age and development, and but most of which can apply across the board. So first of all, answer all questions simply and generally. We don't want to give children too much detail or infuse our own thoughts and feelings into our answers. Uh, Deborah Roth Ledley, who's a PhD and a licensed psychologist, says that a child's worries and thoughts are much simpler than ours. And the last thing that we want to do is start projecting our own worries and negative thoughts onto them. So when a very young child asks questions about their absent parent, try to be very simple and very general. Something like, sometimes mommies and daddies don't get along well and they decide that everyone will be happier if they live apart. Or some kids live with their mom and dad, or just with their mom, or just with their grandma. Families are all different. Then ask the child for follow-up questions. As the child grows, the discussion will too, one day at a time. So that was a quote from Psychology Today. And I think that's really important. It's so often we infuse our own adult experiences and thoughts and feelings onto things. And the best bet is always to let the child be the guide in the conversation. So always, if once you've answered a question generally and simply, then ask if they have any follow-up questions. And often they'll say no. Uh, And if they have more questions, continue to answer each question as simply and generally as you possibly can. Uh, And answer all the questions. One of the uh, most damaging thing that we can do to children in general, I think, but particularly in divorce and particularly in a situation like this, is to not talk about it. Um, When we don't name the things that are occurring in children's lives, it makes them question their sense of reality. And that can be really dangerous for their development uh, as time goes on. So you always want to name something. When something weird is going on in their lives, it's best to name it for them and have a conversation about it and ask them if they have any questions. Uh, The next thing I want to say about this is 
to never speak ill of the other parent. Sticking to the basic facts of why the dad may be absent uh, is a good idea, but you may have to fudge them slightly so as not to throw dad under the bus. Um, You'll want to tell the truth, but always speak kindly about the absent dad. As time goes on, your child will begin to draw their own conclusions based on their own observations. You may want to write out some stock answers so that you're well prepared in the moment because it might be kind of hard for you to come up with answers that aren't infused with your own anger and sadness in the moment. And while your feelings are entirely valid, you don't want to put them onto your child. The next thing is to always validate their feelings. When they tell you their feelings, don't try to minimize them or take them away. Um, Make sure you tell your child that it's okay for them to feel sad or mad. Validation is as simple as mirroring. I know it's hard. You really miss your dad. I miss him too sometimes. I can see that you're really angry. I feel angry too sometimes. So beyond um, naming what's happening, validate their feelings about what's happening. Again, without infusing your own feelings into it, right? Really mirror them because they'll say it. Kids will name it. Um, The next thing is to reiterate that it's not their fault. Because children are all self-referential thinkers, they naturally think the world revolves around them, uh, they'll assume that their father's absence is because of them. Uh, Michael Gurian, who's um, the very insightful, best-selling author of The Wonder of Boys and The Wonder of Girls, stresses the importance of reassuring the child that they're not, not at fault by saying, first and foremost, a child who's abandoned must be constantly and repetitively told and convinced that she or he is not at fault for the abandonment. This can take months and years of repetition, gentle, firm, clear, loving, with realistic dialogue about why the father left so that the child can see that the child was not causal of the abandonment. And that's a quote that I pulled off of parenting.com. In addition, you want to be sure to affirm your child's great qualities and, and value as often as possible by encouraging and praising their good behavior rather than disciplining bad behavior. They're going to need the extra boost of confidence that this will provide in this particular time. The next thing is to make a list of the dad's good qualities. If a child begins to understand that their father has some kind of deficiency or lack of a, for lack of a better word, that allows them to not show up for their child, they may begin to wonder what that might mean about them, genetically speaking. This is another reason not to speak ill of, of their dad. So if you say, uh, you know, your, your dad's a son of a bitch who has no conscience, right? Um, then eventually they may start to think, but if my dad has no conscience, does that mean that I won't? They know, um, if this is a genetic and biological parent, um, they know that their uh, genes get passed down and they know that they're part mom and part dad. And uh, so listing their father's good qualities will enforce the feelings that they come from good stock while also creating space for the father to step back in should he have a change of heart down the line. And the last part here is to identify father figures in their life now. 
Be sure your child is surrounded by at least one father figure that you can call upon in times of need, such as Father's Day or a dad day at school or a time when you think a father figure might be most appropriate for working through a problem. Sometimes our boys in particular don't want to talk to us moms about certain things. So having someone on call to take him out for ice cream or some dude time can help provide them with an outlet. So hopefully this will help you navigate through some of these tricky waters. Um, This is a really tough one and a really sad one. And sadly, uh, it's entirely too common in the United States. Um, But remember uh, that your child, if this is your situation, your child is lucky to have your unconditional love and support and you are enough for him. Uh, Some incredibly successful people in our society have been raised by single moms, Barack Obama, Michael Phelps, Jay-Z, Jon Stewart, and so many more. And they all attribute their success and worldview to their mothers who raised them alone. So if you're doing that job, uh, I know it is, it is the hardest job mother. They say that motherhood is the hardest job. Um, there is, I think full-time single motherhood with an absent dad is the hardest job in the world. And you know what? This is a great time to talk about something that I've been meaning to talk about. And that is calling ourselves as divorced moms. Um, The difference between a divorced mom and a single mom. Uh, I used to call myself a single mom. Uh, I've been divorced for 10 years and I share custody 50-50 with my ex-husband and he pays me child support. And... I used to call myself a single mom until I made friends with um, a woman who's one of my best friends today, um, who is a full-time single mom of four kids. And at first, I was very defensive about calling myself a single mom. Um, I was called out by another friend of mine who's an adoptive uh, full-time single mom, and She, when I called myself a single mom in a Facebook post a few years ago, God, probably four or five years ago now at this point, um, she said, she said I wasn't really a single mom. And I got really mad and defensive about that. And I was like, you know, we can't separate ourselves. We need to band together. We need to, you know, by the way, the Census Bureau um, counts me as a single mom. And I used all of those things as reasons that I was also a single mom and that we have to be together in this fight Um, until I realized I was just fucking wrong. (laughs) I was just wrong. Um, And it really opened my eyes over the years um, being friends with this woman who's a full-time solo mom of four kids and watching her life. She runs her own business. She uh, raises four kids. One of one of her kids um, now uh, lives with his dad. He's got. She's got. Um, and then she's got three that are with her full time. Full, 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 full time. She works from home, runs her own business, and manages three children. Um, and they are like eight and five. I think they might be nine and six at this point. Anyway, uh, twins and then a little one. And I can't compare my life to hers. 
I cannot say that my situation and my circumstances are the same. Um, you know, and this conversation started years ago when uh, married moms would say, I'm single mom, I'm a single mom for the weekend. And, you know, no, you're not. You are a married woman who, whose husband is out of town. That is not single parenting. Um, if I have a, I have a friend, we've had this conversation, I've had this conversation multiple times on Facebook and in other places. And, um, I have a a good friend whose husband travels for work a lot and she is, uh, home taking care of the kids, uh, by herself most of the time. And she said, can, am I allowed to call myself a single mom? She's very respectful about this conversation. Um, she said, am I allowed to call myself a single mom when my husband's traveling? And I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, because he's filling your bank account. He does very well. And he is filling the coffers. And your job is to, you know, he, you both have jobs. Your job is to stay home and raise the kids. And his job is to travel and work. And there's a partnership that's happening. And he is filling the bank account. And you are taking care of the children. You're not a single mom. A single mom is someone who does it by themselves all the time. A single mom is the person who's responsible for filling the bank account, for going grocery shopping, for doing the cooking, the cleaning, um, driving the kids to school, driving them to their activities, working a full-time job, and all that it takes with zero help. I could be considered a single mom half of the time, but I'm not. I'm not a single mom. I have a break. The full-time single mom, it is relentless. There is no break. There's literally no one to take the wheel when you just can't do it anymore. And the resilience that that takes is astonishing. And as a divorced mom who's privileged enough to have child support coming in, have, you know, 50% of my life, I am child free. Uh, I can't compare myself. I just simply can't. I can't put myself in that same basket. So I um, very, very much want to, this is something, sort of a platform that I'm going to be talking about more and more often because I think it's important. Um, So if you are a divorced mom, I really want you to call yourself a divorced mom. I really want you to honor and respect the differences between divorced moms and full-time single moms. And if you are a full-time single mom, know that I personally um, honor and respect you and will be using my platform to amplify your voices and your and really your experiences because I think it's a, it's a really important thing for us to recognize um, that there is a difference. And I think it's important for us to look at, um, you know, what's going on with dads that they're bailing. Um, and so we'll have, we'll have more of those conversations on the podcast as it continues, but thank you so much for joining me for this episode and I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. This episode was brought to you by Rooted, my brand new coaching program designed to get you rooted in your deepest power. We all have in us a sense of knowing. There's a place within us, deep in our cores, that feels the truth. The question is whether or not we'll tap into it, listen to it, honor it. 
I bet that if you sit quietly, close your eyes, and ask yourself the questions that have been plaguing your thoughts day in and day out, a very clear voice will rise up from within you with an explicit answer. That's your inner guide. The problem is that most of us don't trust our inner guide. Fear overwhelms us, doubt creeps in, and just as our motors begin to rev in the right direction, just as resolve and determination rise up, we stall out and our internal needles return to the relative comfort of idling in neutral. That's your inner critic. And when your inner inner critic is in charge, we make no changes. We continue on as we have been, miserable, questioning, scared, confused. There's an internal battle between your inner guide and your inner critic within us at all times. And it's that battle that keeps us stuck and confused, idle, scared. But you know that you can't stay there anymore. And that's why I created Rooted, a coaching program designed to help you find your strength, build your confidence, and step into your power. You can find out more at kateanthony.com slash rooted, and be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, stay strong and stay focused. You got this, mama.